Mr. Paul, do we have you on the line? Yes, yes, yes I can hear you. Yes, hi, how are Sp- you? How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. Mm-hmm. How are you? I'm good, good. So let's, let's start off here with Sassol. I, I mean, I always find them quite an interesting story, uh, least of all of late with uh, all that's happening at Lake Charles. Uh, it seems that they might be closer, I guess, uh, to seeing the other side of the tunnel here. Yes, they are. Um, the project finally uh, has uh, become operational. Uh, a few billion, a few billion over budget, and they own half of it now. But you know, I think the most interesting thing is, um, I think you might have heard that the former CEO, the one who contracted the project, is now. Mm. Uh, has now moved on to the contracting side, so they're forever going to be paying him. And they think government has intersection relationships. Yeah, yeah. That one is just. They think what? They, they think government has what? Intersection, intersection relationships of that thing is a conflict of interest like no other that I've seen. I think, yeah, it's just. Yeah. I, I have no words. I have actually no words of it. I'm shook. So, so I, mean, I, I guess there's a few things here, Snesipo. Um, you know, just for the benefit of some of our listeners who might not be familiar with what's happening here. Uh, on the one hand, there's the cost overruns, um, which can be attributed to mismanagement, I guess, lack of experience, all the stuff you find in mega projects. And then add to that uh, the fact that you on the U.S. Gulf Coast and you have hurricanes and all manner of other issues. Um, uh, uh, I mean, just the background of this and the impact that it's, this has had on the performance operationally of Sassol and also how shareholders have responded to that. Uh, so when they started Lake Charles project a few short years ago, the Sassol share price was hovering around 550 rand. It is now around 100 rand. It lost 80% of its value. Now, that can be attributed to the simple fact that when Sasso initiated uh, the Lake Charles project, Sasso had no debt on their balance sheet. It was literally, it's a free-flowing operation. It's just, it, it used to print money. And at the time as well, we had a high um, oil price, crude oil price at the time. Now, fast forward a few days, few years later, you've got uh, the fact that the project overran and Sassel took on debt to, um, to, to fund the project. It mm. overran, it overran, and then ultimately you also had a lower commodity price as sure, well. Let's take a quick break now. We'll continue on the other side. Hello? Snesipo, um, Hello? we had to take a quick spot break, but um, I mean, just, just you, you were still telling us they had no debt on their balance sheet. Uh, talking about Sassol now and uh, their 12.8 billion US dollar project out in the Gulf Coast of the US. No debt in their balance sheet, probably, you know, the kind of, um, I guess, uh, um, sort of share price that uh, people would envy on the JSC. Uh, where are they now? So, remember, remember the, the project was enacted by the former CEO, 
their former CEO, Mr. David uh, Constable, mm. who's now the CEO of the uh, one of their engineering firms. Uh, like I said, intersection. So initially, the the Blake Chalk project um, had a price tag of about eight billion US dollars. That's now gone up to 12.8 billion US dollars. Now, further impacted by that, you've taken all this debt to procure it, and ultimately, the crude oil prices come down. So, the margins as well have come down quite significantly, just due to the fact that we're in a low oil environment and low fossil fuel environment, and we're moving towards more greener. Greener. So mm. the scenario you have at 2014 versus 2020 is literally like lies in day. And although this is, and this is for me, in an operational due diligence, hurricanes are listed as a risk factor. Why no one at Cecil thought, oh my goodness, this thing is a risk factor? Specifically at the Gulf. Ah, well, like the Gulf, it's common, Bona, they've got those things to share. Added add to the, the the pressures of global warming, and I think we I think we forget that these extreme weather conditions over the past I think five years I think we can all admit we've had extreme weather patterns, and those are caused caused by climate change. Further mm. now, you know you now you're looking at a situation now in 2020. They've had to give up. They've paid a hundred percent of the cost, but they now own fifty percent of the asset. So again. Even on a yeah, cash flow, hey. even on a on a recovery basis, they've taken debt, which a lot of it is due and payable, which they roll forward. A lot of it, uh, a portion of it was rolled forward, was due on May 2020. That was rolled forward mm. to the following year, to next year 2021, which is six months away. They still need to do a capital raise, even with all their cost-cutting endeavors that they've put through. They still need to do a capital raise from shareholders, but you're asking shareholders who in January, I'm not even, I talked five, six years ago, we were at 550. In January, we were somewhere around 300 to now to reinvest in the company and sort of buy, like I said, this project they basically sell their crown jewels for mm. is now, mm. even if you look at the base case, so polymers, uh, polymers are, it's not a, they're not a commodity, but they follow the same pattern as your commodity from a, when you're doing the calculation for what price, what you need to sell it at. Again, you have a lower price. Even though you're operational, you then have the black swan event that is COVID, SARS-CoV coming in, which is a black swan event. So even though you're operational in November 2020, almost two years later than you're supposed to, you are still, you're operating at the lowest peak demand period where recovery is again. So, and you still own yeah. half the assets. So even if you look anywhere you slice and dice it, it is, it, it just shows the power of mega projects. And the thing with mega projects, mm. again, I think sometimes, we must sometimes, in Maduki, in Kusila, you must actually see this whole, I think I'm, I think I might write an article on this whole David intersection thing because that one is a, a, requires a commission on its own because I sure, it should sure. not have been, like, it, it, you know, and bear in mind, Fleur, the company he works for now, they overcharged, <laughs> I don't know, 
over a billion U.S. dollars. So there's the intersection on that, and hey, it's just... Mm. It, it requires its own commission and it just gives people and I want people to just understand yeah maybe not, we must check Nessipo, you know that, we must maybe check no, if, I want people um, to like understand if, uh, Chief Justice Zondo is available you know yeah even when when we, when we talk ESCOM and uh, Mudupi and Kukile people like to blame government and say no government procurement procurement in mega projects whether it's private sector or public sector it's the same WhatsApp group it literally is and, and we're seeing it now. Sasso SA company, SA-based, building a project far, far away, which they have never done in over 20 years. <laughs> like, and it's, it's, just, it's literally, it's the same. I think they, they require, I think, I think when I was studying project finance, um, when you look at the principles that happen in both, it's almost identical. Same WhatsApp group. And it gives, it, it, it gives people, it should give people the appreciation that Public sector, sometimes public sector and private sector are in the same Hamas WhatsApp group. Hamas WhatsApp group. They're in the same, they in the same circuit. Yeah. Yeah. Snesipo, I, I, I think we've, we've certainly belabored the point on, on uh, the issues at Sassol. And uh, as I was saying earlier, I do think, uh, yeah, if uh, Deputy Chief Justice Raymond Zondo is still available after. Uh, this, uh, uh, I guess, a very heady and difficult commission, uh, that uh, this, this might be something he might want to pick up again. But um, let's shift our attention to Salsi. Certainly a lot has been happening there. Uh, and it seems now that they're pushing for the liquidation of uh, one of their potential, uh, or one of their former clients, if I can put it that way, holding company Huge Group. And these are a mobile virtual network operator. So, you know, they use Salsi's network. Uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, then on the retail or last mile side of things, sort of chop uh, all of that connectivity up and sell it to consumers. Uh, what's happening here? So, um, ultimately, Salty entered into a contract with Huge Group, where Huge Group, uh, one of their subsidiaries was uh, mobile, um, mobile, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, one of their clients. Now, ultimately, almost 18 months ago, uh, the the uh, the camp, they ended their relationship and they entered into uh, litigation. Now the, the the thing is that when you think of mobile virtual network operators, which is one of the subsidiaries of huge group, it's they don't have mm. um how can I um how can I put it? They don't have their own infrastructure. They just and sell. They just use the thing. So now the question was. They were paying um, Salty every month. Now, they 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 conclude on their side that um, once the contract entered um, ended, that they were entitled to use um, Salty's network. Salty's network. They were still entitled to use Salty's network. Now, this is a this is a conflict of um, interpretation of um, contract law, and. The, uh, they've been in arbitration, and the thing is that when you when you sort of like on sell, um, like so when you sort of on sell, so when the contract ended, um, a huge group was given a period to migrate over its network, and mm. however these guys they they uh, they continue to use the network and they didn't pay. They didn't pay, like they didn't pay, and like so the guy was like they they would because the thing ultimately 
you still have customers uh, like myself and you at the end of the scale. So they were like, please give us time to migrate our customers, uh, migrate our customers. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, uh, so they didn't pay. And you know, Salty don't have money. So hey, okay, my guy. It, it was. It's literally That's one the of first those first places you go to. Uh, yeah, you go to your you go to your creditors book. You go to your creditors book, and it's very serious, very quickly. I will. So yeah. So unfortunately, now they're in arbitration. Um, they're in arbitration. Uh, yeah. So. And the liquidation yeah. story. I mean, is Salsi profit or they go that far? If you don't pay me, I'm going to liquidate you. Like I couldn't be my younger lad. I go. You don't pay me. I have no choice but to. Try liquidating. If you don't pay me, there's no other way. I need my money. Selfie need that money. It's lit there, Selfie. They need that money. Yo. Yeah, hey. Now, yeah. I'm quite interested in what you think about this interline agreement, uh, Snesipo, uh, between Flysafe and Emirates. Uh, we heard something similar, of course. We've been hearing a lot of this news, I mean, with Airlink as well. Uh, I think Qatar Airways was mentioned in uh, one of the other reports uh, that we heard recently as well. Uh, and I guess a lot of people linking this and saying, you know, this might mean, you know, um, I guess a consolidation of partnerships or I guess the consolidation of the industry. Uh, and many players, I guess, rating themselves for a much smaller SAA than maybe what uh, many would have anticipated. Uh, the thing is that, um, so if you look at SAA, SAA is actually quite funny. So if you look at the profit, so when you're an airline, you look at what you would call profitable groups. But you look at profitable routes, and then you started looking at what you call interlinkage routes. So one of the things that killed SAA, which is not talked about, and also hurt the other airlines, which is not talked about, was when AXA allowed Emirates to fly at, in Durban and in Cape Town. So what that essentially mm. meant was that people didn't have to go from um, Cape Town to Durban and then from Durban to wherever. They can just fly directly. Now, what that did is that actually hurt the local airline industry. Now, the thing is that what's happened to the industry is that, and the cost of operating airline is so expensive, you start looking at partnership agreements to sort of still service the same customer base, but not have to incur the capital or cost. So it's sort of like free money, if you get what I'm saying, because it allows you, the customer, to book in one portal, one mm. portal, and and the airline is still servicing you in a sense. So you're booking a via flight as that air, but you're not um, um, you're not being so. You're not by having to check in again, right? Yeah. 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 You know, so it's a convenience factor, and sort of like a consolidation. It happens to. It looks. It's when you look at which routes are more profitable, and you start looking at where you can make interlinkages with other airline groups to just bring down your costs. So yeah, it's, it's actually very, very common. Like even when I was flying, um, when I went to um, India, when I was flying between Bangalore, um, I went on a, even though I booked by Emirates, we went on a different airline, but I was still booking everything by Emirates. So mm-hmm. it, 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 you start looking at more profitable, um, and it's a way to just consolidate. Like even the same way, if you buy, if you book on um, SAA, and you go to the States, you fly on a Delta airline plane, but you block via flyfa.com. Mm. So, so, it, so it, it's I mean, close by, it's close by, yeah. Sing one there for me. Eh? No, no, say, yeah. say that, it was close by? It, it, it's 
definitely caused by um, looking to service the same customer, but uh, cutting the cost-cutting exercise. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, in a sector where, where there's paper-thin margins, I guess it becomes a lot more important yeah, to consider that. Yeah, but I'm just that, that Let- that they, I'm, I'm just glad that Flysafe partnered with um, Emirates. It means that there's no SAA deal with Emirates happening. Sidebar. Awkward. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know I what guess, I mean. You know, the, that's something Provin Gordon. Mm, very Bye awkward. Very, very, very awkward. Um, so, so they still have a co-chair agreement uh, with the SAA, uh, but I guess SAA is not flying. So, so I mean, co-chair agreement, Pepin. Let's come back to the telecom sector. Let's leave aviation for a, for, for a second. What do you make of the uh, results that came out uh, from Vodacom? Um, they're certainly coming out and saying that uh, they lost some money through a sort of 40% slashing of their prices, but were able to recoup that on their data business as uh, people were learning and I guess working from home. I'm still working from home. This data is total friend. Like, it like, uh, uh, like for me, it just literally, it, 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 I cannot be happy at Vodacom results at all or any um, telecommunications who have profited, profited, profited off the exploitary, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, predatory pricing. Exploitative. Yes, predatory pricing. They have made money in a pandemic because their pricing is expensive. We've had no choice but to use them because although I have five at home, which helps a lot, you know, ESCOM has its moments. I've had to, and in each time I've spent on my data, on my 3G bundle, it's significantly, it's not the cost, is just, uh, and we have, we have, we've had no choice but to use them. So for me, I can't clap. They even increased their, their dividend. So they just make you, they're printing money during this time. And, and if you look at the resurgence in um, COVID cases in Europe, in the U.S. as well, we're stuck at home for a while. We're going to be stuck, and they're going to be making even more money. For me, this is a time for them to ask as good corporate citizens, but they're now, they're like, even let's raise the dividends. <laughs> no, I, I think, I'm, yeah, I can't. I really can't because it do like, I am nowhere near uh, lower class or middle class. I'm defined as upper class, and I can tell people data is a lot of money. And it's, yeah, I can't clap. I can't clap. I think I think many many a South African will echo that sentiment. But uh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to leave it here for this week. Uh, always a pleasure catching up with you. And uh, yeah, have yourself a productive week. Okay. Okay. That there was Nesipo Maninjwa uh, speaking to us. Uh, she's an uh, uh, independent market commentator, analyst, and CA speaking to us this evening for our wrap of the top business stories. In the next few minutes or so, I catch up with Cesar Pamla. He speaks on behalf of Kosato.